Hello and welcome to the newest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I have a returning guest coming on, among many things, that being a writer for Lakers Outsiders. You guys know him as Unwritten Rules. Raj, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Thank, thank you for having me here again. Anytime. You know, you know, I always enjoy our chats. We always have a good thought-provoking session. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> A lot to get into. Absolutely. There's always a lot to get into with the Lakers, good or bad. Coming off that Memphis game last night, um, we'll we'll touch on it later. This is the first podcast we've recorded ever since Markeith Morris signed for the Lakers in the buyout Mm -hmm. market. We waived Buggy Cousins, obviously, to get Markeith Morris on the team. He's played a couple of games ever since. So before we touch on the Memphis game and anything going forward... I just want to ask, what did you think about the tra- uh, the deal when it happened? Um, what are your thoughts now? Has it changed since you've seen him play? Um, I know I, fe- I have a feeling what your response will be, but please share with us. Yeah, when it happened, I, I absolutely love the signing. I mean, first of all, we got him for nothing. Um, we let go of um, Dem- DeMarcus Cousins, who is basically just going to stay with the team in rehab anyway. Um, so we can, we can still sign him, um, this off season if we want to, but we got a six, eight through six, nine, however tall he is, um, three, 39% three point shooter. And he's taken around four a game this season. Um, we get another shot creator, um, especially in the non LeBron minutes. He can take, he can take people into the post. I think we saw already, especially the last few games, he draws double teams on mismatches. He's a pretty good passer out of double teams and, Man, he, he just creates a really great, um, you know, a new wrinkle to the offense without without having to have, like, Rondo be the primary uh, ball handler and things like that. Uh, and I also think he fits in really well alongside LeBron and AD, especially in a small ball situation wherein by he can have either AD or Marquise Morris being the guy screening. Whereas if you went in a front court with Kuzma and AD as your four and five primarily, I don't know what you think, but I feel like it creates another advantage because I know people like dogging on Kuzma, but I feel like Kuzma's a lot better when he's the ball handler in a pick and roll situation as compared to when he's being the screener in a pick and roll situation. Right, and we've heard like the coaching staff and even Marky Morris say right that it puts Kuz in his right position as a wing. Um, he's a better defender at the wing, and like you said, putting him on the ball, getting downhill, so he's not just a spot-up shooter. It's very hard to get in rhythm, in my opinion, especially a guy like that who believes he's a scorer, to just get in rhythm as a spot-up shooter, staying, you know, waiting for the ball to come to him on, on swing passes so he can get downhill. He usually has a really good touch in the floater game. It's been down this year, but I think that's where he's most effective, coming off screens, a space floor with uh, Markeith Morris and... Um, even when Caruso's in the game with them. So, yeah, I really like this for Kuz. I really like it for everyone, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I, we, we touched on, you know, we got him for nothing. Mm-hmm. We, we, we heard the Marcus Morris story. Obviously, he ended up with the Clippers and, right. and people went crazy, as people do on Twitter. We're very <laughs> aware of this, you know. Right. But at the same time, I feel like this was a masterpiece plan by, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm aware, um, 
Marcus, I don't, I don't know if they're still with Clutch, but they were with Clutch at one point. Both of them. Right, right, he was. So I feel like even if they're not with Clutch anymore, I feel like they created enough connections with LeBron through backhanding <laughs> that the Lakers probably knew that this was gonna that the Markeith was probably might have been asking for a buyout, and you know what? I'm really glad we didn't give up everything for Marcus. I'm not saying that Max isn't a good player by any stretch of the imagination. Right. You know, there's no Clipper hate involved. The Clippers are fantastic as an NBA team. However, getting Markeith Morris for nothing as opposed to trading the likes of Danny Green, Cal Kuzma, and Alex Caruso for Marcus Morris. Right. It's a, it's a big improvement for the Lakers anyway. Right. And that's the thing, right? You were never getting Marcus Morris for just Kuzma as, you know, it's been... Uh, that people on Twitter are upset about. So I, I think this is a lot better. You get to keep your really only young, other than Caruso, young guy left. Um, Markeith isn't as good a scorer as Marcus Morris. Uh, Marcus is a better scorer, but he's around 30 pounds heavier. Um, I, I think he's a little bit of a better rebounder. Uh, he can't switch as well, but he's better at defending the post. He can be a small ball five, as you said. We saw that in the last few games where he's at the five with Kuz at the four in those bench units. And it you know, just gives Rondo a different option than rather than having to just run pick and roll every time. They can throw it in the post. And, um, yeah, I just, I just love what he brings. No, and you know what? It's another thing where we can say what we want about Palenka in the front office. All the pieces that they've added have made sense from a basketball standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint. One thing that's missed, in my opinion, from this Laker team, I love analytics. I think analytics is super important. But at the same time, stuff, intangibles that you can't measure with numbers, like just having someone who'd be willing to put everything on the line for their teammates, like we saw last night Mm -hmm. in the Memphis game. You know, I know the Memphis game didn't go the way we wanted, and we'll touch on it later. But at the same time, just having someone who won't let the team get punked in yeah. certain situations is huge. And then having that guy be an actual contributor on a really good team, being exactly. the sixth, seventh guy, is a fantastic thing to have because Markeith Morris is a really good player, and you know, yeah, there's there's a lot worse players that we could have added in the buyout period anyway. Right, and I, th- I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Having your enforcer be a guy that doesn't get minutes is kind of counterintuitive, you know. You're the guy who's the tough guy on your team can't be a guy that's just barely gets any minutes. So it's nice to have a guy who's really good and is also a guy who won't, who won't take anything, you know, who who won't allow the team to get punked. And I think we saw that a little bit in the end of a few of these games, especially against the Clippers. Um, like the toughness was kind of missing. And it's nice to have a guy. I mean, him and Dwight Howard probably barely met, and he's already, you know, getting in people's faces for it. So, so I think that's great. Oh, and you know what? It's there's another. I think what Rob Palenka has has done, apart from the AD things, I, mm-hmm. I like using baseball analogies a lot. Right. He's not been home runs constantly. <laughs> right. In singles and doubles, and maybe the odd triple here or there. But you know what? All that adds up to runs on the board and. It helps a lot, and you know what? The way we've treated the Marcus Cousins, while I, I love Boogie and I hope he gets back to the level, realistically, he's never doing that this season. Realistically, right. he, may, he may never do it again. But the right. best chance for him to get back to that level, even like 60 70% of where he was, 
right. would be to sit this entire year and rehab and make sure his body's 100% right before he steps on the court. And obviously, he took a lot of care and consideration into when he signed Morris into looking at what DeMarcus Cousins wants. Because I fully believe that if Cousins didn't want to be waived, I don't know about what you think, but if Cousins didn't want to be waived and he wanted to be part of the team still, I feel like they would have waived someone else to get Markeith Morris in. So right. uh, what I think Rob Polinka has done is, especially, you know, we we've, everyone's touched on what happened with Kobe and whatnot. But with everything that happened and the personal tragedy he had, losing his best friend and goddaughter, the job he's done in the past month or so has been fantastic. It really has. Right, and it's kind of crazy he had to do all that, as you said, with the Kobe news, right? Like, he lost his goddaughter and um, his best friend and still having to, you know, maneuver the buyout market for players and, you know, answer phones for trades and, and all those kind of things. And I think he's done his job, basically, um, getting getting players that, that he could. I mean, they tried with Darren Collison, right? And that didn't work out for whatever reasons. Um, people are mad that they didn't trade Kuzma for... Derek Rose, I think that's been reported that the Pistons wouldn't even have agreed to that. Um, for Neiman Bielitsa on Sacramento, I mean that that just was never going to happen. Uh, so I, th- I think he's done what he could. I mean this obviously waiting for Kawhi in free agency kind of limits your options. He's built a team that's going to win 65 games. I mean there's uh, the record is there. He's I think he's done what he could. No, and I agree with you. And I feel like Rob gets a lot of stick, as we say in England. He gets a lot of <laughs> unnecessary stuff from fans because right. it's an easy scapegoat because of he was part of that. He, even though people want Palinka to succeed, because I feel like no one wants him to fail, especially now, it's easy to beat him over the head with a certain stick because he was still part of the Magic Johnson regime. Right. But if anything, from what I've seen from Palinka, he's been the opposite of what Magic Johnson was as the leading man. He's very meticulated. He's very calculated. He he seems to know. He doesn't do anything by like he. It's not that there's no emotion involved. He it's calculated. Everything he does, there's it's just I'm doing this because it's the best thing for the team at this particular moment, not because oh I saw Mike 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 Muscala play well once against the Lakers. <laughs> Let's trade for him. You know what I, you know what I mean? That's that's right. what it seems like to me anyway. Right. It's kind of funny that you mentioned it. not to go on a side note, but the watching, like, you know, seeing the, our prospects on other teams, like you see Brandon Ingram on New Orleans, um, you know, you see D'Angelo Russell on... Even even Mo Wagner in Washington. Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or D'Angelo Russell in uh, Minnesota now, right? You see, yeah. yeah, so the one that makes me the most upset, uh, uh, what's called, upset is watching Zubac because we gave... Our biggest competitor, pretty much this year, other than Milwaukee, they're starting center for Mike Buscala and the right to wave Michael Beasley. That's the move that makes me the most upset. <laughs> it's just watching Zubak start on that team for, and we basically gave it to him for free. But yeah, and it's kind of hard to decide. You know, you we're not in the room. We don't know whose move was Magic, whose move was Palinka. But just seeing the information we have now you know being able to backtrack it and the way Palinka has worked um very little you know very little publicity he's not on first take doing a you know a victory lap because his team's in first place which he easily could do you know 
if Rob Palinka wanted to, he could have a full story ad on the on any newspaper that he chooses to have a hey, you guys said I was you know didn't know what I was doing and things like that. And he hasn't done that, so it's uh, I give him a lot of credit. And he's not perfect. He's only year three as a GM. You know that that takes time to learn learn this job. But I I think he's done. I think he's done what he could do here. And you know what, me in particular, I dogged on Palinka. I dogged on Kurt Rambis, Genie, basically everyone, you know. (laughs) I think as as many people did, I think everyone did at one point, you know. It seemed like nepotism at his greatest. But at the same time, like, you know what, Genie Bus has seen this person work every day at the same time. If anyone would know what he's capable of, it's Genie, you know, like realistically so i feel like some credit needs to go to her at the same time for this mm-hmm. but like we mentioned like you know i know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent talk about rob palinka but at the same time i feel like all the best conversations go off on tangents sometimes yeah um, with rob I'm, I'm, he doesn't care obviously i feel like he cares about personal success otherwise he wouldn't be as successful as he is in all walks of whatever he's done but his main priority is that the lakers are good and that they're right. a title contender. Everything personal comes secondary to him, which is a big step because, like, we've seen it all the times with GMs. How many right. times has a GM had one good season with a decent team that isn't anywhere near as good as this team and their lord has been the greatest thing ever? Like, realistically. Right. And, I mean, he, he got the job done with Anthony Davis, right? He say what you want about the deal. Um, he got it done. And if you can get a 26-year-old player of that talent, you do it. It's just how it works. It's what the NBA is. The stars win in this league, and he got it done, and they built a team the way they could. They So I, I think there's criticism to be had. There's things that maybe he could have done better. Um, I obviously didn't like the Rondo resigning, but that's, again, you have to do some things that maybe aren't best for on the court, but... Maybe that's an off-the-court thing that helped that's not tangible. But, I mean, it's what the Stars wanted. He's put out and said that he worked hand-in-hand with LeBron and AD to build this team. So it's it's kind of hard to, you know, blame or credit wherever you want to put it. But I I think he's done well. I think he gets a a bad rap for for what he is. No, I agree. And he he builds a team that most most good GMs build teams. Like, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, but I personally feel if you don't include the likes of LeBron and AD in these conversations, they won't feel as involved and they'll be a, a lot more likely to leave. Like, right. maybe not, not this year, but in the future. But whereas right. if you make them feel like, a, and I feel like this is where the Lakers excel, which I feel like we've always excelled, we make everyone feel like they're part of the family. Right. Uh, and when you make players feel like they're legitimately important, and mm-hmm. you know you you're you're a key cog, even if you're the fifteenth guy on the team. Like I'm sure that they make Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook feel just as important as they do LeBron James and AD. Maybe not in the same way, but right. they do it in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, everyone matters, and that's where I think the Lakers, in particular, excel over a lot of franchises. Right. Right. And people joke about chemistry, you know, and and obviously it matters, it's, it's it's not matters. it's not the end all be all but it does matter right there's a reason why most teams who are 
you know, put together right away, don't win the first year. It's, but um, when if you can build a solid foundation early, I think that helps. And you could see it in the wins. Um, it's not easy to win in this league. I mean, I think we've realized that the last few years. It's it's not an accident. Winning's not an accident. It's a very purposeful thing that happens. And I think everything plays into it, like you said. Definitely, I I agree with you there. And just just going off on, you know, we talked about Marquise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the buyout market has. I don't think it's transpired in the way a lot of people thought it would. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what you thought. I You know, I, I always knew Reggie Jackson was going to get bought out. Right. But the fact that he was best friends with Paul George for me made it like I didn't think he was ever signing with the Lakers. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, people got upset when we didn't sign like the likes of Damari Carroll and Jeff Green, and I'm there like, if Jeff Green, you know, and I'm not, don't 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 get me wrong, Jeff Green is a better basketball player today in year whatever he is in the NBA at 34, 35, than I'll ever be in my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> but at the same time, for NBA standards, Jeff Green's fell off a lot. And if anyone would sign him, it would be his one of his close friends, LeBron James. You know what I mean? He, he would encourage Rob Palinka to sign him. That's right. what I look at things. Right. It's not played out the way people wanted. We got Markeith Morris, which I think is just as good a move as anyone's made, you mm-hmm. know. I, I mean, I really like the Marvin Williams to Milwaukee move. I think mm-hmm. Marvin Williams is a fantastic player. You know, he 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 would have been perfect on this team just from a you know free and D standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, another long body, you know, that we need. Right. And I say all that to say this. Um, do you think that the Lakers will sign anyone else? Do you think? I mean, there's obviously one or two really obvious names. Right. Uh, um. What's your opinion on it? So, it, I mean, obviously they've been connected to Dion Waiters. Um, I think the J.R. Smith thing has sailed. I don't know why it has, but he's pretty much confirmed that neither L.A. teams have reached out to him at all, which, I mean, kind of makes sense. He hasn't played in a while. Um, but I feel like the upgrade between J.R. Smith to Troy Daniels isn't as high as people think it would be. Um, so I, I feel like I understand that. Deion Waiters is interesting. I feel like if if his meeting goes smoothly, that he's a Laker. Like, I I just see that is how it's going to work. I think they're going to waive Troy Daniels to do it. I worry about how he, ready he is off the court. Um, but that's really the only guy I see that could help. I mean, what, obviously watching highlights is very easy to get enamored with a player, right? Because all you see is the, the good they do. But pretty much his skill set matches what this team misses. Um, they need a ball handler who can score. That's pretty much what they need. A ball ball handling player that can score off of pick and rolls. Deion Waiters can do that. He can hit jumpers off the dribble. He can drive. He has a strong base. He takes contact well. He finishes off the dribble. Um, he can pass when he wants to. Um, people forget in that, uh, that series that Oklahoma City Thunder, this was a while back, but the Thunder blew a 3-1 lead. Deion Waiters was a big part of that rotation. Like he, he was very helpful in that series. He's he can, he was the backup point guard basically, and uh, that's the role I see him here. Now, does he take Rondo's minutes? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I feel like he could play with Caruso if if them two played, but that's the guy. That's the only guy I see that's out there. Mo Harkless has already come out and say he's staying in New York for 
God knows why. But uh, um, yeah, Dion Waiters is the only guy I see. And to be honest with you, if someone said to me at the start of the year that we'd stand put in the trade market but get Markeith Morris and Dion Waiters, I would have snapped your hand off. <laughs> now, I know a lot of stuff, I know a lot of stuff's happened with Dion Waiters, uh-huh. edibles side, you know. Right, right, right. I feel like the Lakers having their meeting March 2nd, I don't even feel like it was based on the buyout market. I feel like mm-hmm. it was more based on is he's had a month now since right. he got bought essentially from the grid yeah, from Memphis when he got traded from Miami. Right. To get into basketball shape and to mentally get into shape to be prepared to play. Right. And if you're not prepared after a month of you know time to get back into the NBA, you'll never be prepared. That's my my two cents of the whole situation. And in theory, I feel like Dion Waiters could potentially even be the guy that I wouldn't say pushes over the top because right. you don't know what you'll get in a buyout play. You don't know how quickly they'll gel. Not everyone gels as quickly as Reggie Jackson does at the Clippers, or I even think how Markeith Morris has gelled at our place. Yeah. You know. I think maybe he's not scored the amount of points that people would want him to score. But right. at the same time, I think he's gelled really quickly with the team, which is another testament to chemistry, to be honest with right. you. We make jokes about it all the time. You know, <laughs> right. Pick up Lakers Twitter for that. But right. at the same time, chemistry is really important when you're trying to bring in new players. Right. And uh, go on. Uh, yeah, go, and I was just going to say, like, if he's going to get his – you know, thing together, it's going to be here, right? With LeBron James, um, Anthony Davis. He can't mess around here, or he'll be let go very quickly. I think it was reported that him and um, LeBron didn't have a great relationship when he was in Cleveland, right? Um, LeBron, I think I think he was, like, well, waived or traded after three days or something like that in, uh, in Cleveland. Um, and we saw with Dwight Howard, right? Dwight Howard was, like, six straight stops of just being a... A nuisance to all the people around him and here he got his act together because he's around two of the five best players in the world and that's what you do and i think Dion waiters is the same the talent is there i mean there's no question about it go you can even watch games this year of him against boston against the clippers he was effective in his minutes he's a really talented dude and um i, I think there's a chance he gets his act together here uh, the Lakers have a six-game lead in first place. They have time to experiment with things like that. Um, so I, that that's the move that I think I think I think it can help. No, I agree with you. Like like we talked about, if he doesn't succeed here, if we sign him, mm-hmm. he won't really succeed anywhere. Right. Like I know, no people go. Oh, he didn't succeed in Miami. Miami's a very particular place. Like don't get me wrong, the culture they have is fantastic and. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley's great, and Eric Spolstra is a top two coach at the NBA, and you know what I mean. It's it's a really good place, and right. I'm not disputing any of that. However, you need to be of a certain character to succeed there. Right. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing that he didn't succeed. Right. It's just I don't think Waiters was while he did play well in right. Miami because of his talent. I also don't think he fully meshed in that situation, either which we saw towards the end. Right. Uh, obviously, some of, the, some of the things he did through his stupidity. Like, mm-hmm. dude, if you're going to eat edibles, don't do it on a plane when you go into a game. <laughs> right? you know, 
that's rule right. number one. So, you know, like, all power to you. Like, I'm not saying that, that it's bad or anything like that. Just don't do it in the, you know, when you go into a game. Like, you know, do it in the comfort of your own home or somewhere that people won't find out, you know, like, if you are going to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like you said, I feel like if LeBron hated him to the point that, you know, people, some people try and make out to that LeBron hated him in Cleveland, he wouldn't be part of clutch sports. Right. And I feel like, I don't know if you listen to when Pete and Pete Sayers and Laker Film Room and mm-hmm. Anthony Irwin were talking about the waiters. Right. Um, they mentioned that, well, Pete did anyway. Pete mentioned that you have basically the three best people who can make a decision about Dion Waiters in the room. You right. have his current agent, Rich Paul, right. who, while people say, oh, yeah, he wants the best for his clients, he also has a lot invested in his main client, LeBron James. Yeah. Like, his success is based on LeBron's success. And don't get me wrong, Rich Paul's done a fantastic job of actually creating this whole clutch agency being like it feels like a superstar team now do you know what i mean like if you, right. when you hear clutch sports you you, you it's 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 connected with greatness right like, that's the way i picture it in my head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have rich you have rob palinka and you have lebron right three of the guys will probably be able to get as close to a true opinion about Dion waiters as possible right even with even even with a certain lack of objectivity from Rich Paul's side, <laughs> which I think every agent should have, by the way, like, you know, like that's their job yeah. at the end of the day. Oh, but at the same sure. time, if all three of them agree that he should be on the Lakers, mm-hmm. after seeing what we've seen this year, I feel like we should give them the benefit of the doubt with that as well. Yeah. And I mean, Rob Belinka was the one, right, that, you know, had the interview with Dwight and realized, hey, this is different. This, you know, that I can trust this guy. And, um, he brought him in to a team that was contending for a title. You know, and it worked out beautifully. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he do, does have the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I think this is, like you said, the greatest situation you could have. Um, Deion Waiters isn't going to be asked to be a star or even like a, you know, a very important role player. But if he can come in and give a few minutes... Um, he can even defend. I mean, when he wants to, he can, uh, and he's gonna have to to get minutes on this team. So, uh, I, I, and of course, Troy Daniels isn't even getting minutes. So again, it'd be like a pretty much a free trade. I mean, Troy Daniels right now is getting garbage time minutes. Um, so again, it's kind of like you're getting him for not nothing, but um, pretty much you're trading someone who gets zero rotation time to a player who could honestly play in a playoff series and who has played in playoff series and has played well really good in i like we've elaborated on he's been very good in playoff situation very much so yeah it's a guy that you can rely on in a big moment and he's another yeah i I don't know what you think about this lake we've had a lot of guys like Mm -hmm. danny green like avery bradley who can hit shots right there's not many Avery Bradley sometimes can create his own shot a little bit, a little bit of separation now, now right. and then. But we right. don't have enough players who can create their own shot and hit tr- difficult shots. Exactly. I feel yeah. like Dion Waiters fits that mold perfectly. He does, yeah. He's a scorer. That's what he is, you know, and he sees himself as that. And we need more guys like that. Um, Kuzma's a scorer, but he needs someone to kind of facilitate that in a way. Dion Waiters can just get his own bucket. He'll, re- he'll reject a screen on ball screens a lot. 
that's something that Kuzma doesn't really do. Kuzma sets us. Kuzma gets a ball screen. And he usually uses it. Deion mm-hmm. Waiters can, you know, you can set a pick on the left side. He'll fake to use the screen, drive away, get contact finish. He can drop it to the roll man. Um, and again, he's gonna have a ton of space, especially, you know, playing next to one of AD or LeBron. Um, that's that's probably the most talent he'll play. He's played with since obviously in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant. And that's where he played his best. Um, so yeah, I think he's a pure scorer. He can get buckets. And you know, you were talking about the Miami Heat, right? Their culture and all that. And again, we joke about chemistry, but look what happened after the trade. You know, they they've lost what I think like eight out of ten or something like that. Yeah. Winning is fragile, you know. And when you have something, obviously getting Udala was great, but they also I think they sent out a few other pieces. Um, they also got Jay Crowder that they're trying to fit in um their defense has really dipped trying to fit two new rotation pieces into a team with a bunch of underdog scrappy you know players who think they've earned their rotation and you've you're basically taking two players out of the rotation um so again it's not easy and uh so i'm trying to trying to give dion as much of the benefit as you can obviously you there's no excuse for taking edibles on a plane or you know things that he's done off the court um i think he came into the season out of shape if if i remember the stories correctly um but yeah i, th- I think i think he can help here oh and how ironic is it that he took edibles on a flight to los angeles <laughs> and because of all that he could be ended up on the lakers <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it works out like that, and like you said, he has... Life has a strange way of doing <laughs> Right, and I mean, edibles are very easy to find here. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's just make sure it's contained to his house and not in game days. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everything in moderation is fine. You know? Exactly. Yeah. If he wins a title, I'm sure he'll get free edibles for life in Los Angeles. <laughs> edible sponsorships will come exactly. in. And all You'll see... <laughs> You'll see Dion Waiters on an edible billboard that in downtown LA. <laughs> right, right. On yeah. Figueroa somewhere there'll be a Dion Waiters billboard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we touched on the you know the buyout market and what's happened and what could potentially happen. I want to get into more you know talking about what's happened since the All Star break. And barring the blip last night, which you know we'll, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Like we've been really really good and we've looked locked in you know obviously we've been i feel like we've been really even keeled we talked about this a bit before we started recording right I feel like we've been very even keeled the entire season like the clippers to their credit like against us they get really hyped for the game uh-huh what we've seen is against other teams they don't get nearly to that level of emotion to play over teams. Right, right. Whereas with us, I feel like we've approached every single game exactly the same way. Regardless exactly. of what the talking heads want to say. But you can sort of sense that they're starting to fine-tune things a little bit. Vogel's trying to see what his best lineups are. Who can mm-hmm. play in which role. You know, who should be starting, who should be off the bench. I've been really positive with what's come out from after the All-Star break. Or just in general, the past month after the tragedy of Kobe Bryant passing, I think they've dealt with it a lot better than I thought they would have done. To be honest with you, you know. Right. Hey. And that's that, again. I feel like we 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 laugh about chemistry. But I feel like the chemistry helps a lot with that as well. 
right and um yeah i really liked how they played uh, they you know they had like a seven game win streak um they, they beat denver i believe right before the all-star break and the rotations are starting to settle a little bit. I mean, last night was a little different. It felt like they were load managing both LeBron and AD. AD was kind of, um, he I think he played like eight minutes in the first and then only like three minutes in the second quarter. Um, it was a strange game. But I think I really liked how Caruso has pretty much been the staple for the closing lineup now. You know, he's he's been closing pretty much every game. Um, uh, they've played really well against some good teams. Boston has been rolling, and they were able to get a win against them at home, even with Tatum going crazy. Um, Anthony Davis is starting to kind of settle in back to his like defense of the player, defense player of the year mode. Um, LeBron looks like he's picking up the scoring. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really great to see them kind of start to you know get in a rhythm for the playoffs, which isn't too far away. I agree with you 100%. Just before we go into this in a bit more detail, mm-hmm. um, just I got a notification from Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter account uh-huh. that Troy Daniels has been waived. Oh, wow. So that tells me, A, they've got someone in mind. So uh-huh. it's either Dion Waiters or it's some player that we don't know about yet. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. That just happened now? Literally just now. <laughs> wow. So you're hearing the live reaction to this, guys. This is this is a hundred percent real here. <laughs> that, that is that. I guess that was expected, right? I mean, we we kind of talked about it earlier that Troy Daniels would probably be the one to get waived. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess with Dion coming to town today, I believe, I believe mm-hmm. he was posting that he was in Los Angeles, so. To me, it's it's pretty much gonna be done. I feel like um, unless you know Dion comes in <laughs> 40 pounds overweight and is very <laughs> terrible at his interview, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the one that gets signed. So, uh, but yeah, that's 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 very big news for them to waive because um, I think they had like oh actually the deadline I think is today right to waive a guy. Yeah, it is it is and, yeah. and, and thingy. Uh, Troy Daniels' agent has like commended again, commended Robin Kurt Rambis for giving Troy the opportunity to be waived today to be able to explore other options. Uh, so there's another, you know, we were talking about this. It's like honestly, uh, it's crazy how the topics we talked about are coming <laughs> to fruition literally as we're talking about them. <laughs> yeah, and they and um. They want to do right by the players, right? Lakers are the Lakers brand themselves as a players organization, and um, doing little things like that means a lot. You know, waving a guy, um, you know, before the deadline to go look at other places, or you know, trading him to a spot that uh, is a little better um, for him. You know, for a chance for him to show what he can do, and little things like that matters. And uh, agents talk, right? Players talk. And uh, how you treat players gets passed around. I mean, we saw that with Boston a few times and uh, things like that. So I, I think it's good that they let him go before to let him, you know, find another team. I wish Troy the best. Um, he did his – I mean, he he didn't shoot as well as I think he should have here. But uh, he, he, he was part of the team chemistry, and I think that matters. Yeah, he seemed like, for all intents and purposes – 
you know, whenever you saw him tweet or post Instagram posts or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, you always saw that he seemed like a really nice guy who was really happy to be on the Lakers. Right. And, you know, like, obviously, you know, people like to pander and stuff. And you, sometimes you can tell with players when they're pandering, you know, to, to their fan base. What 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 Rob Pelinka has done a really great job of you know finding these players who want to play for the Lakers and you know that that shouldn't be a prerequisite of like you know you know you you, you have to be like a you know a twenty year fan of the Lakers or what have you but mm-hmm. at the same time it's nice to see people who legitimately are honoured by for playing for this you know wonderful organisation at the same time right right um. Yeah, and I think that matters in the in the grand scheme of things, you know. To so let's just go back to our topic. You know, we just, we had to touch on the Troy Daniels news a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like like we were saying, I, I feel like we're finally seeing how much Frank Vogel trusts Alex Caruso. In my opinion, right? Uh, we we've seen it in spurts over the season, but now it's becoming a lot more consistent. Like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I, I don't think Caruso, even though we lost last night, I don't think Caruso would have started this if there was still like five games into the season. Okay. I don't think Frank Fogel wouldn't have, would have even thought about him. <laughs> and you know what? I feel like a lot of credit should go to LeBron and AD for this as well. While, while I think Frank Vogel's done a great job since he's been the head coach, if you listen to interviews, LeBron's always banging on about Caruso. And, right. You know, like... LeBron doesn't talk about people like that unless they deserve to be talked about like that. Exactly. That, that, that's what people miss. Like LeBron loves his teammates, and you know he he talks glowingly about all of them, but not he talks about about them glowingly in a personal respect, not in a basketball standpoint. If you know what I mean. Right, right, and Caruso's good, man. Like I, it's kind of crazy to think. In the beginning of the season, you have LeBron James, Danny Davis, these two powerhouse megastars, and you know you have these other names, Danny Green and um, Avery Bradley. These, you know, these um, guys who've been in the league a long time, and the guy who's pretty much closing every game is this 24-year-old guy who was in the G League two years ago. You know, he couldn't even get minutes over you know a couple, like uh, a couple players last year, and um, now you see him just. He's really good. I mean, uh, he's closing games. He he can defend. Um, he cuts. He plays really well off of superstars because he just knows how to make reads. He knows when the defense is um, playing over the top, um, when they're switching, um, what to do in a switch, when to slip a screen, and it's all these like little nuances that aren't even really plays. It's just uh, it's just being a really high IQ basketball player, and his athleticism is. Um, underrated you know and uh, it's just uh really awesome and he, he defends he plays and he fits this team's like mantra you know like he plays he plays hard every single night there's no he does he doesn't play well every night but he plays really hard and uh, he doesn't take plays off um so it's really awesome and you're right Vogel seems to be trusting him more and more and more um he's one of the top guys in fourth quarter minutes for this team um him and and they've even talked about it, the coaches, about the net rating between him and LeBron and AD. Um, it's just an astron- astronomical number. It's, it's laughable, really. I think LeBron and Caruso have the best net rating as a duo in the whole NBA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 
it's just crazy. But um, again, basketball should be a pretty much a meritocracy where your play determines your minutes. Rondo's not going to get out of the rotation. I don't care how much we tweet about it. He's not going to get out of the rotation, so we should just be ready for that. But like against, um, I think against Boston, he he had a good game. Uh, against um, who did we play before Memphis? Uh, I it was. Um, bear with me a second. Was it New Orleans? <laughs> Was it no, it was Golden State. It was Golden, Golden State. Golden State, yes. Golden State. Now, Golden State is about like 30, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest opponent, but LeBron didn't play, and Rondo played well. He, you know, he, I think he had like eight assists, um, only like one turnover. I think, I think we've seen that, I don't know what you think, but I think we've seen Rondo raise it up a level. Yes. Over the month or so. And even when he's not played great, he's not been the disaster that he was at the start of the year anyway. Exactly. Now, he, he's still a really bad defender, right, um, on most nights. Um, but against, he still like, tries harder. Yes. And the thing is, like, he just, I mean, this isn't, like, I'm not saying he's right to do this because this is a terrible way to look at it. But when he doesn't respect an opponent, he doesn't give, you know, the effort, you know. Like, he did not respect the Memphis Grizzlies as an yeah. opponent. I don't. I know John Moran is great, and you know Dylan Brooks is a really nice player. But Rajon Rondo, exactly. Rajon Rondo does not go into a game against Memphis with the same mentality he goes against the Celtics, you know, or the Denver Nuggets, or you know. Look at the Pelicans tonight, in my opinion. I feel like he'll be a lot more locked in tonight than he yeah. was last night. Yeah, he probably is more locked in tonight. But against those teams like that, you're gonna just see him be a traffic cone on defense because. He just does not respect the opponent. He's not going to give that effort. So if he can just give 10 to 15 minutes of what he's been doing in these big games, I think we'll be fine. I really worry about him in the playoffs because, see, this is where I think going back to Markeith Morris helps a lot. Having a guy you can throw it into the post um, where he draws double teams without, you know, having to have uh, – LeBron do everything or have Rondo run 100 million pick and rolls that go nowhere. You know what I mean? So it's it's nice to have another guy, especially with like um when when the two superstars uh sit 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 out. No, I agree with you and just to like sort of blend into like the Memphis game cuz you started talking about it. Um first of all, I just want to say how bright the Grizzlies future is. Right. Think, you know what credit to that organization. They realize, you know, the grit and grind. I, I love the grit and grind era. I thought it was great, you know. But they also right. realized that it was over and they needed to rebuild. And they, I don't say they rebuilt on the fly because they were bad for like a year or two. Right. But they rebuilt a lot quicker than people expected by good scouting, obviously, you know, getting people like Jaron Jackson in when, you know, there were other players on the board that they could have easily gone to, you know. And I feel like he's been really... He's really underrated because he's in Memphis. If Jaron Jackson played in a much bigger market, we'd hear a lot more about him as well. Right, right. And he didn't play with Jar because Jar takes... And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Jar's, that Jaron's better than Jar, but at the same time, I feel like Jaron Jackson... We didn't see him last night, but he's a really important piece to that team. He, I like him a lot. Yeah, no, I know. Jaron Jackson Jr. is really good, but Jar's the star, right? Like that, yeah. that He's their foundational star now. My thing is, like, winning isn't linear, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. in the NBA, that's not how it works. <laughs> you don't get better and then just keep going upward. Um, 
we saw it with Sacramento last year, right? Like, look at the way people talked about De'Aaron Fox last year and then talk about him this year. It's a lot different. Obviously, they changed coaches. Um, they made some very questionable signings. Um, but uh, Memphis is going to have expectations next year, you know? Like, they've that's what they've put on themselves. I think they have a really bright future. I, I don't know if they need to, you know, sign somebody this summer or I think they should just keep building. Brandon Clark is... Really good. Right. He's I I love it. Yeah. I can't believe he went twenty first in this draft last year. I really can't. Yeah. A lot of draft people were on him. Um they thought he should have been at least top ten or you know, Shout they should have been Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, Ben is Ben is really good. Um Zach Zach is really good. Yeah. Uh, so that those are really good draft people, but uh yeah, it, I really don't know, but he he plays really well. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. is a nice core with John Moran, obviously, as their star, and um, we'll see where they go. But uh, yeah, they have a bright future. I'm glad to not being not to be in these young core arguments anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember we used to have to have to go in those? You know what? I'm really happy that we can appreciate all these really good young players from afar now. Exactly. You know, yeah. what I mean, I love watching them. But yeah. I'm so glad we're not talking about like battling for an eighth seed anymore. Potentially, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I say all that. We talked about Memphis because I thought, you know, as much as we love the Lakers, we also love the NBA. You know. Right. And we don't, especially when we concentrate on the Lakers a lot. We don't really. I, I don't say we don't cover the other NBA teams. I feel like we should we should talk about other NBA teams more at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. as much as we love the Lakers, like, the NBA, I feel like, is in such a healthy position at the moment with all the amazing talent coming through. It's, right. It's just a great situation. You, you, know, you know, like, and again, we got off on a tangent a little bit, but, you know, I'm so happy to see, you know, people a few years ago were worried about in the direction what happens when LeBron retires and, you know, all these good players, like, start to dwindle. And you know what? The NBA's probably going to be as strong as it's ever been. <laughs> Right, right, right. And going back to the Memphis game, I just wanted to ask, I personally, I've already said, I thought it was a blip. Teams have these games every season, you know. The 73 and 9 Warriors had two or three games like this, you know, like, it happens. I don't know what your opinion is, if you want to elaborate on that. You know, there are some things to worry about, like, you know, um, it's another game where once it starts to go badly. But to be fair, I feel like we should show some fight as well, like especially in the, <laughs> that fourth quarter up until Taylor Jenkins called the timeout. Um, right. I, I do honestly feel like it was just a bit of a blip and I feel like it was in-game load management where Frank Vogel went, if we win, great. If not, you know, I'd rather have my guys rested than, you know, risk them in a random night on Memphis. Right. And... um. Yeah, I mean, that game was kind of strange. They didn't even score for, I think, the first eight, first four minutes of the game. Um, Memphis went up 5 nothing, and it was like 8.30 left, and um, the spacing was just horrible. They had Avery Bradley, who couldn't throw the ball in the ocean, with Caruso, McGee, and then uh, AD, obviously. And then, obviously, there was no Danny Green, so it was LeBron. So it was basically no shooting on the floor. Um they couldn't score. Uh, Memphis was getting a bunch of, like, the 50-50 balls. I didn't think it was effort at first because they were just kind of, you know, they were kind of luck-adjusted luck, luck adjusted balls. Like, you couldn't do anything about it. 
Um, after that, I think they kind of understood it wasn't their night. They weren't going to, you know, put the pedal into 150 miles per hour for a win in Memphis with a back-to-back in New Orleans tomorrow. Um, the biggest concern to me was JaVale's pick-and-roll defense. Uh, they went at him pretty hard. Um, and again, I don't think Anthony Davis was in defensive player of the year mode, Anthony Davis. But even then, JaVale would lose his man so many times off the roll. Um, they kind of picked on him. John Moran would kind of make sure he was in the screen every time. But I think I thought Stu Lance said something really good. Once you go up like 15, you know, it's very easy. You get comfortable, you know. So John Morant starts hitting step back jumpers because because the game is not close, you know. So he can kind of be really comfy and you know take those with confidence. And I thought that's kind of where the game went out. Um, the game wasn't close enough for them to be nervous, and uh, I I just think that's how it how that game went. Um, I didn't see too many concerns. How about you? Um, like I said, um, it was a blip. LeBron wasn't engaged whatsoever in that game. Um, you saw it by some of the errant passes he made. Like I don't know if you remember, like towards the end of the second quarter, where he just throws it like twenty rows into the crowd, like mm-hmm. with, like three seconds left, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not winning tonight." <laughs> <laughs> When right, LeBron's right. making passes like that, it's, you know, uh, it just shows to me, like, obviously, as fans, we want to win every single game. You know, we, we just want to be as, you know, as competitive as possible. We just want to continue winning and grinding and whatnot. Right. Um, we've been really good the entire season. Exactly, yeah. That's So that, that, that loss, it snapped an 18 consecutive win streak <laughs> against Western Conference teams away from home. Yeah, it's like, insane. That's crazy. That, that never happens in the NBA. No, you know, it doesn't. There's a reason why it was impressive. And I don't think... I, I, I feel like it wasn't talked about enough in the national media. No. Like, if I... I feel like... I won't say the Clippers, because that's a really easy comparison to make. Right. Milwaukee's been awesome this year. Yeah. They've not done that. Right. Milwaukee's I mean, just... been the best team in the NBA. Yeah. But they've not done that. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, just... It's road games are always tough, you know what I mean? I mean, mostly teams stay a little bit over 500 on the road. Um, go look at the other road records. Lakers are 24 and 6. They're the one seed. The two seed is the Clippers and Nuggets. That's right. The Clippers are 16 and 13 away. The Nuggets are 17 and 12. So winning on the road is hard. I mean, Philadelphia is like, I think they're, yeah, they're 9 and 22 on the road. I mean that, that is uh, road games are road games really show to me like how dominant your team is, how much your stuff travels. You know what I mean? Like what travels with you? And uh, the Lakers, their identity is their defense, and so that's something you could take to any arena in the world. And um, I think that's why it's working. So. And and also I feel like it's lost on a lot of people when you have two of the best five players in the world on your team at any given moment. You can right. win any series against any team whenever, as long as them two play well. Because basketball is unlike any other sport, wherein by if you have two of those type of players on your team, mm-hmm. you need to play really, really well to beat that team four games out of seven. Right, right. Definitely. You know, all, all it will take is just for the Lakers to steal one game, hypothetically, away from home, and that's, it's over, theoretically. You know, like, uh, that. that's where I look at it, like... 
we, we always, you know, people dog on the Lakers crowd. The Lakers crowd is great. Lakers fans are awesome, man. You know, like, people like going, oh, yeah, you know, the crowds are sold out now because we're good. No, no, away arenas were like this. The entire time we were going 17 and 65, this, the arenas were still full for the Lakers. You right. Know, nothing's changed. It's just we got better now. <laughs> like we're back to where we should be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean? That's what yeah. it feels like to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, they, they travel. <laughs> it's great. And hopefully I'll be traveling this time, sometime this year to, to Los Angeles to finally <laughs> see game live. Yeah, you should. You should. Can't. Just to lead up to, you know, before we get, you know, into further, into playoffs and whatnot, we'll save that for a, a future podcast because obviously, you know, we're still quite a way away, but not too far away that we can't record another podcast in the meantime. Um, let's just talk about, you know, what your predictions are for the rest of the regular season. How many wins realistically do you think this Laker team will get when it's all said and done? What, what's the, what, how many wins do you think will end on by the end of the season? Uh, so right now they're 45 and 13. So I think they played around what 50, Eight 58 games. games. Yeah. So uh, to me, I think they're gonna have around 65 wins to close the year. Um, it's kind of how I see it. Um, this team doesn't seem like they're gonna. I mean, I think they'll they'll start load managing as the season goes on, but I don't think it'll affect the wins and losses as much as people probably expect it to. Um, I think they'll, they're still, like, I don't think they'll ever, you know, admit this, but I think they're still having, you know, a small hope for the one seed against Milwaukee. I, the Bucks are currently five games ahead of them in the loss column, so it's kind of a stretch. But if they can kind of keep, you know, a manageable distance between, between Yeah, those. you never know. It, all it could take is a two-free game losing streak yeah. by Milwaukee. Exactly. The Lakers are right back in there because, you know, as we see... The, the books are, are great and, you know, they're really fun to watch. But at the same time, they're not infallible. They're not right. the 73 and 9 Warriors. They're not the Warriors with KD on the team. You know right. what I mean? They're not. They're great, but they're not all-time great, if you know right. what I mean. Yeah. So I, I think that's what they'll keep their head on. And this team seems like they take pride in, you know, playing every night and not taking games off. So I, I think that's that's the win total for me around 65 wins i don't think they'll get anywhere close to 70 um but they have the one seed pretty much locked up um with six games being six games up on the two seeds so that's kind of how i see them closing out uh the regular season yeah i was about to say anywhere between 63 and 65 wins for me right Uh, i just feel like and you know what if someone gave me I know people will be negative when we lose another four to five games, you know, because God forbid you do, you know, everything's about, you know, going 82 and 0, obviously. Right, um, right. But at the same time, like, if anyone, realistically, someone came up to you and went, the Lakers will be 64 and 18 this year, <laughs> what would you do? You slap their arm off and go, yes, please, give me that all day long. So I don't know if you've seen it, but they were actually projected around 51 wins this year. I think like 50 and a half was their over under. So it's it's kind of ridiculous that they're there. Completely blown over it. 100 percent. The season ends. And yeah. shout out Tim Bontemps for saying that the Lakers won't get to 50 wins. <laughs> yeah. You know the craziest thing about that was hmm. it wasn't just a narrative shared by him. How many people said that the Lakers wouldn't get to 50 wins, though, realistically, out of all the national media out there? Yeah, there's a lot. Well, I mean, they looked at 
the rest of the roster instead of you know the top of the roster they focus their eyes on you know the bottom of it which which made sense in in a way but i think people again underestimate what stars do for a team so yeah it was crazy at the time it's crazy now but i mean we had the strength of schedule people in the beginning you know they'll say whatever they need to need to say to kind of fit this narrative um yeah no I feel like we're very lucky to have the two stars that we do have as well. It's it's nice having two stars that legitimately love basketball and you can tell like they're not they don't settle. I know people like to dog on AD and and whatnot, but we have two guys who don't want to settle for being second. They want to be great. They want to be great now. They want to win titles. They don't just want to win one. They want to win multiple and. You know what? That's the mentality that we need within the Lakers organization, and the, the mentality that we've needed forever. And I, right. I don't know about you. I just wish LeBron came to us earlier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you. Whenever I saw LeBron play, I don't know if it's because his game resembled Magic's a lot. Mm-hmm. He always seemed like a player, even before, like years before he joined, and like when he was in Miami and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He always seemed to play that I always thought would be destined to play for the Lakers one day. I don't know if that's just me being like an ultimate Laker homer, or I don't know what you think, but I always had that feeling about LeBron that he would just be perfect in the purple and gold. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I, I never saw that happening. I really didn't Neither think Neither did he... I. Full disclosure. <laughs> it's still like, weird seeing him on this team. You know what I mean? But like it just his... makes sense. He just fits, is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, oh, 100%. His star level, he's, his star level matches. You know, This is the one team that can kind of keep up with how big a star he is and vice versa. You know, Not many teams could. Like if he was on uh, like Denver or something, I don't think they could match his star level with the... With the you no know, oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. With the love that or it takes. Or exactly. He's, you know... It, yeah, or the media that would be required, you know, to cover a guy like this. So, um, I think you're right. He fits, and after the Kobe stuff, to me, he he bleeds. He, person carry it on. He bleeds purple and gold. You know what I mean? After that, that's he's ingrained. It does he doesn't need to? I mean, it would be great for him to win a title, but to me, that Kobe stuff cemented him as a uh a laker forever as a you know legend in this thing that the way he handled yeah. that the speech the you know making Everything sure every- exactly making sure everybody was you know uh, was okay and um just taking control of it being the face of it you know to putting his face in front of it and said hey i'm gonna lead you guys to uh, be okay you know and I, I thought that was huge and it takes a lot of um, not guts, but you know, a lot of power to do that and and strength. So I I, I credit him for that. And you, you know, the the nicest thing about LeBron, uh, people dogged on him for it because they're idiots. But the <laughs> the fact that that he was in in a hoodie and glasses and had his hood up and completely took all the focus off of him during right. the memorial, because he was yeah. there. It was people just didn't realize he was literally in the middle of everything. Right. But he didn't want to be seen because it wasn't about him. It wasn't mm-hmm. about the players there. That day was about Kobe. And, you know, like, just before we do get off, um, the last thing I do want to say, I forgot to say and tell you, but what we are doing right now is we are doing a recurring segment 
just people talking about their favorite Kobe moments and obviously mm-hmm. this is your first moment and it doesn't have to be like your all-time favorite just to mention you know one of the moments that will always stay ingrained in your head when it comes to Kobe anyway so my favorite Kobe moment ever um, was it's a it's a specific play it was um game seven of the finals obviously 2010 and um mm-hmm. the Lakers were they were up by two it was 66 64 and I'll never forget um Kobe obviously had a terrible game right he was like six of 24 and all this stuff but he hit like a one dribble pull-up jumper to put the team up four and I'll never forget and I'm like we're winning and there were still like yeah. four there were still like four minutes left the game wasn't over but I just knew from that moment and he's given many moments like that but like just to see that you know he's probably hit that what a million times in an empty gym just you know just by himself and to see it play out on the biggest stage was was awesome and I'm so glad I was able to watch it live um seeing a title for your team is great in any way shape or form seeing it twice um for your favorite player was was amazing so I'll never forget that that moment how about you tearing my Achilles twice my favorite moment that's it for me was when he tore his Uh that just that entire 2012-13 season it was it was Kobe just saying you know what I don't care what's happened I don't care what's transpired I don't care what people think we are getting to the playoffs right I will make sure even if I sacrifice everything which he did he sacrificed mm-hmm. his body, but the Lakers are getting to the playoffs. This team right. is not going to go out being a ninth place team in the West or the tenth place team in the West, you know. And when people want to talk about grit, Mamba mentality, that entire stretch where he averaged 47 minutes a game is just insane. Right. We'll never see that ever again in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Playoffs, regular season, what have you, you know. People will play 40, 41 minutes a night in the playoffs, but to play consistently over 20, 30, 40 games, 46, 47 minutes a night, is crazy. Yeah. Especially at the, at the level here. Because that was, correct me if I'm mistaken, it was also by far his most efficient season as well. The amount of shots he was taking, the amount, the percentage he was shooting, his true shooting percentage as well. He was so efficient that year. And it just showed that, like, you know, people dog on like, you know, he was he was selfish, he was this, he was that. Kobe in, in his prime in today's current era would, in my opinion, average over 40 a game. Right. Know, with the spacing that's involved, with his IQ, you know, with, with the amount of contact he'd get, you know, because of how smart he was. Um, and you know what? It, it just... Because after the injury, obviously, he came back and, you know, he worked his ass off and, you know, credit to him from coming back. That was the end of the Kobe chapter for me as a player. Everything mm-hmm. else was leading up to Kobe in the aftermath of the basketball career. Obviously, he still wanted to play and get to 20 years with the Lakers and what have you. And the last game was awesome. Right. But that's when Kobe, the player chapter, ended for me. And... If you end it on that note, it's just a beautiful... I won't say beautiful because obviously it ended with him tearing his Achilles. But if anything signified Kobe, the basketball player, it was 
this dude just gave everything until his body gave out. And, right. and that's what he always wanted. He wanted to go and push the as much as possible. And you know what? He did. And could he have won more championship? Yes. Um, could Should he have won more MVPs? I don't even think that's a question. You, you know what I mean? Um, is he yeah. a top 10 yeah. player of all time? Yes, he is. You know, but at the same time, I'm really appreciative of everything he gave from the playing to after playing. We sort of started to see a more human side of Kobe when he retired as well, right. you know, which right. I'm very thankful for because when you watch the um, the interviews he does and whatnot, you can see him just, you know, from when he was playing to when he started to get a bit older to then when he was just retired and just going on talk shows and just talking like a regular dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was just so nice to see that transition. And obviously, you know, his life was tragically cut short. Um, and before we go, I just want to touch on the memorial. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful thing. I thought it was perfectly done. You know, everyone that talked was amazing. Just wanted mm-hmm. to get your opinion on it, you know, just to sign off and then. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, the memorial was obviously it was a tough thing to watch, uh, especially seeing Vanessa speak. I think that was the hardest part for me. Um, seeing her have to go up there and basically utilize her daughters and her, you know, her husband um, was just sad. And, you know, the the part that will stick with me until I die is when she said, um, we're still the best team, you know. Um, we're, just do, we're just doing it from uh, afar. So she's going to take care of the daughters here and, Kobe take care of um the the late Gianna um that was the toughest part and uh, seeing Shaq get all tear-eyed and Michael Jordan who it's funny when you look at Michael Jordan just the difference in how available he was to Kobe when they're you know like they're both legends you just I realize how little I actually hear from Michael Jordan but he's one of the what three other guys who knew exactly what Kobe went through his career so to him to hear him talk and hear his perspective was amazing and then um you just having all the women basketball players there kind of just um showed what kobe was about right he was one of the biggest ambassadors for the women's game so it's no coincidence that you know two three of the biggest people who spoke uh, one coach uh, gino Ariema, who coaches women's basketball that was great Oh, he was amazing. Really enjoyed it. He was amazing. And then Deanna, Deanna Tarasi, obviously, who plays in the WNBA. And then um, the women's college basketball player as well from Stanford. I don't remember her name, but uh, all three of them speaking. And um, I thought that was – it was sad, but it kind of uh, showed his life. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was beautifully done. Vanessa set it up. Um, beautifully and all the speakers were for amazing I don't know about you but I feel like it was the perfect cathartic moment for not just Vanessa who I who was a, a, a absolute goddess for, for the way she handled everything oh yes from Beyonce to Jimmy Kimmel to Vanessa to Alicia Keys, Palinka, Oriema, Ionescu, Tarasi, mm-hmm. everyone. It was just perfectly done. And then the montage with Maroon 5's song. I'm not a big Maroon 5 fan, but I feel like that song perfectly encapsulated the entire, 
you know, moment, like, you know, like, yeah, it sucks that he's not here with us right now. And, you know, we can't watch his Hall of Fame speech. But, you know, we shouldn't just focus on the negatives. Let's focus on the positives. We've done enough grieving. Kobe wouldn't have wanted this amount of grieving <laughs> to happen, the type of guy Kobe was. He'd be right. like, come on, guys, stop being so soft. Get on with the day, you know, just keep battling through because life throws, you know, spanners in the works. And I don't know about you. Um, obviously, I still get some sad moments sometimes, you know, when you watch some stuff. But I, I watch Kobe interviews back now and I laugh. Right. Month ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, I watch his highlights with a smile on my face, thinking back to, yeah, you know, this is this is just how I remember it when I watched it live. Do, do you know what I mean? And it's not that overwhelming feeling of, you know, it's sadness. It's like, let's take this guy and spread his word and spread how good he was for the rest of our lives anyway to, you know, to people that should know, you know, just how great a basketball player and just how much, I, I don't know about you, I tore my Achilles a week after Kobe, you know, tore his and mm-hmm. whatnot. So obviously, you know, that it, it influenced my life as well. And Kobe was truly a one of a kind and, you know, it's nice to be able to get to that point. I don't, I don't know how you feel, but it's nice to be able to now talk about Kobe like this openly without, mm-hmm. obviously, it's still upsetting, but right. not to be able to break down, to be able to laugh about, you know, the moments and laugh about him thinking it would be stupid, us crying about it for so long and whatnot. You know what I mean? You know, it is a nice moment to have now. Yeah, and obviously all the crying and stuff has been done. Um, I don't think it'll stop anytime soon i was fortunate enough to be able to go to down go to staples center um during the time where people were leaving all their you know their things for him and um it's it was crazy watching a bunch of you know grown grown people just you know cry their tears out um but i think that part is at least a little bit in the past we can celebrate his life now and um what he dedicated his life to right and we can celebrate that and in um in our everyday and we can take things from it um learn from it and uh i think that's where we're at now and you could see it with the players um you could see it with everybody around him and um, i'm hopeful that's kind of what it leads to is this celebration and not taking things for granted you know and um i think that's where we're going no and it's, it's a good step to take as well isn't it you know yeah and like I said, I think it's what Kobe would have wanted. Also, what Kobe would have wanted is for us to kick the Clippers' ass this season and win the championship. And you know, I don't say I don't like saying, "Oh, let's win this one for Kobe," but at the same time, like if any, I feel like they've already had motivation to win the chip this year. Right. If there's any more motivation needed, you shouldn't be playing basketball at this point, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> right. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Raj, thank you so much for coming on. Just before I do let you go, just tell people where they can reach you, where they can find your work, you know, because whatever you put out is great, you know, so just <laughs> take some time to plug yourself a little. Sure. Uh, thank you, Alan, for having me. It's always great. Uh, I think this is my second or third time on this one, so uh, it's always great to come back. Um, follow me on Twitter, Unwritten Rules. Um, the E is a three on Twitter. I uh, post videos and things like that uh, i write for lakers outsiders um right now and um yeah that's that's where i'm going with uh currently 
And yeah, you should always subscribe, obviously, to this podcast. Um, and uh, I have a podcast with uh, two other people, um, Rick and Ali. And we it's Fantastic. called the, the LA Forum Pod. Um, you can find us everywhere on Spotify or um, Apple Music. So, yeah. Let's just hope we get the win tonight as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, recording before the Pelicans game, FYI, which is why we didn't touch into it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we don't want to talk about, you know, what what ifs and whatnot. So we'll leave that for the next podcast. Thank you for listening. Be kind to leave a five-star review. I almost forgot to um, include some exciting news. I am now a Stitcher Premium Affiliate, the Lakers side charts. So please support our friends at Stitcher. If you use the code LakerSide, they will give you a free month of use in Stitcher Premium. And then from there on, if you enjoy the experience of Stitcher Premium, they it will help support the podcast as well. So anything you can do with that, it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening. Go Lakers.